Hello and welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name's Alicia. Stacy, my cohort here. I think you're taking us into an unplanned series about English actresses we love. Oh, yes, I am. You had the very cool story of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman herself, Jane Seymour, over the weekend. And today we're going to hop into Doctor Who's TARDIS to talk about Billy Piper, who memorably played Rose Tyler when the series rebooted in 2005 and well beyond. But what American audiences may not know is that before she broke out in acting, she had this whole career as a teenage pop star across the pond. Ah, I love the many spotlights that happen in our season, our spider webs. Hey, before we get started, is that a magic mirror I see? Oh, yes, it is. Thank you so much for joining us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces for early ad-free episodes, dumpster dives, Zoom salons, and more. Big thanks to our most recent supporters, DCB, Heather M., Yvette M., and Susan C. Holy cats, y'all are amazing. Big thanks to you. Big thanks to our sustaining supporters. And big thanks to y'all for coming back to listen. Stacy. you know I love a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh mm-hmm. of the TARDIS. If we're going traveling in time and space, I guess we better uh, go, go, go. Oh, Stacy, companion Rose Tyler today. Absolutely. She's a good companion. Now, my favorite companion. Sure. But Billy Piper did great on Doctor Who. And, you know, reappeared for many years after she formally left the show because it, she's just such an iconic character. Anyway. With iconic trashy divorces, too? A bit, yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. do this. And Let's marriages this. while we're Love at it. it. Alicia, I've been in a bit of a nostalgic mood lately, so I've been revisiting the early seasons of the modern version of Doctor Who, which was rebooted by BBC in 2005 after, I think, a 16-year absence from the world's television screens. It was missed. I got into it probably around 2009, so my first Doctor was Matt Smith with the Amy and Rory Pond arc. That was my real-time experience. But basically, binging Doctor Who at night was part of my coping mechanism for my last miserable corporate job. When the O5 reboot started, the Doctor, who is a time-traveling space alien who is accompanied by one or more human companions on adventures across time and space, was played by the actor Chris Eccleston, and his companion, Rose Tyler, was portrayed by a young British actress that I was previously fully unaware of, Billy Piper. But here's the thing about Billy Piper, the subject of our story today. The United Kingdom was not unaware of Billy Piper pre-2005 because Billy Piper had this whole enormous career as a teenage pop star starting when she was 15 years old. No. Insert Robin Sparkles joke. She is or was, not sure if the record still stands, the youngest female singer to enter the UK singles chart at number one. What? And followed this up with a certified platinum debut album, a second record, and other top-charting singles. And then, after a career of just three years, she quit music entirely at the tender age of 18. You are joking. I had no idea. Lucky for us, she's also been divorced twice. I know it's not lucky for her, but, you know... One of these was quite amicable. I don't know. Sometimes divorces are pretty lucky. It depends on which way you're standing. Reasonable. So I am happy to be able to talk about Rose Tyler. I mean, Billy Piper today. 
Billy Piper came into the world in Swindon, Wiltshire on the 22nd of September 1982 to parents who were certainly too young for that sort of thing. Her mom was just 15 when she started dating Billy's dad, who was 21 at the time. Oh, my. And Billy was originally named Leanne Paul Piper entirely because of family pressure. Did you say September 22nd? I did. Fantastic. She's born in the cusp of beauty. Okay. Yes. I would need to know more details to find out if she is a Virgo or Libra. But yeah, cusp of beauty. Okay. We're going to just call that good. Throughout the pregnancy, her mother had called, you know, little gestating Billy, Billy. And, you know, then when little Billy was born, regardless of what the birth certificate said, she kept calling her Billy. And a few months later, her parents re-registered her under her actual name. And thus, Billy Piper was here on Earth among us. With a 15-year-old mom, 21-year-old dad? Maybe 16, maybe 17. I'm not sure. That's young. But yeah, they got together when they were young. Uh, Her father, Billy's father, worked in construction. Possibly specialty construction. I'm not sure because he would travel internationally for work. So I'm not quite clear on that. But anyway, he was away in Los Angeles working for most of the pregnancy. And in Billy's 2006 memoir, Growing Pains, She suggests that her mother was not entirely sure that her father would even come back. Oh, oh no. But come back he did, and their little family prospered, even though her parents apparently have never married. Really? Yeah, they've, I guess, just cohabitated the whole time. They're still together, as far as I know, to this day. Hey, relationships look a lot of ways. Find the thing that works for you. This you will find so relatable. Billy was an only child for her first seven years of life. Oh, Mm -hmm. and then she had a stupid baby brother, baby sister, baby brother, and then two baby sisters. So in three years, three siblings joined the family. This created something of a madhouse atmosphere in the home. As you can imagine, she talks about how when she was very young, her parents just lavished attention on her. But then by the time her fourth sibling, third sibling, whatever, by the time the fourth baby came along, it was really more about crowd control. It's so nice being an oldest and an only until the next one comes around. Love you, bro. But yeah, those first seven years were quite delightful. Mm -hmm. Bless Billy's heart. When her parents broke the news to six or seven-year-old Billy that she would soon have a baby brother or sister, she was... Not thrilled, (laughs) perhaps to soothe her feelings, but I think probably more likely just to have an epic vacation before becoming new parents again. The family took a three-week-long trip to California to visit Disney World and Universal Studios and take in the sights and the culture. This included MTV on their hotel room television that had not gotten to the UK yet, and little Billy was in love. It really left an impression. Soon after coming home, she saw a documentary about a girl who was trying to break into modeling. And while Billy wasn't specifically keen to be a model, she learned that children in entertainment needed something called an agent to find them work. So she walked straight up to her mother, her possibly still pregnant mother, or possibly just had a baby mother, and announced, Right, you've got to get me an agent. (laughs) And her mother did. She found a talent agency in Swindon, made an appointment, and Billy was basically immediately picked for an ad campaign for Honeycomb Cereal, destined for the American market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's not small. 
no, no, no. Yeah, oh, we. Uh, I'll have the link for that in show notes. Um, Honeycomb cereal. She remembers being suspended in a harness and eating cereal for hours. This was the best thing that had ever happened to her. Following instruction from the commercials director, she would just do whatever he said to do. It was great. And Billy Piper, at the age of seven or eight, had been bitten by the acting bug. She followed up her honeycomb ad with Kool-Aid ads, again for the American market, and she was genuinely in love with this whole thing. Her grandma would take her to London, just such a big deal by itself, and then these shoots were happening in a, a real live TV studio, and it was here from another kid that she learned about acting classes. <laughs> Mom, I need some acting classes. Once again, Mom came through. Billy had been in dance classes since she was five. There was some children's television and a scholarship to a specialized drama school when she was 12. And then along came a TV commercial for the UK pop magazine Smash Hits. This is one that would change her life because at that very moment, as that campaign was coming out... There was a group of music executives in London who were looking for a talent that could fill a market gap they had identified. A solo female pop star, the British Madonna, and the 15-year-old caught their eye. Imagine it, at the age of 15, Billy Piper and her parents sat in a London office with a bunch of music industry types in suits and signed a million dollar, I guess million pound, recording contract. She was partnered with massive hitmaker producers, like people who'd worked with the Spice Girls. It was that whole milieu. Billy's in the machine. In the machine. She was sent around the country with a van load of professional dancers to perform in spaces where the tween audience would be. And when her first single, Because We Want To, dropped, it moved 80,000 copies in its first week in the UK and debuted at number one. It was top 10 in Ireland, New Zealand, and Sweden, and it was chosen as the official anthem of the 1999 FIFA Women's World Cup. Crikey! So obviously, there are music videos, there are promotional appearances, she's all over television, there are live she's performances. She's Robin Sparkles, like, let's she's go to the mall. Robin Sparkles, let's go to the mall today, that's a How I Met Your Mother reference. There was one... Slightly glaring problem, at least in her own mind, Billy didn't think that she had the greatest voice in the world. And even in real time, she was not as in love with the music that she was recording that was written by others and supplied to her and then mixed and orchestrated by others as she wanted to be. As time went on, she became less and less enthralled with stardom and the attention of the British tabloid press, always, always a vicious bunch, paid to her, particularly once she struck up a romance with a member of a popular boy band called Five. Oh, no. Rich Neville was a few years older than she was, and this band was sort of the male answer to the Spice Girls. It had actually been put together by the same management team that made the Spice Girls. And in this era, Billy was competing with, like, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, and, like, it was... There was a lot of pressure on her... And she was, I don't know, it, it was a lot. This band Five was having a decent amount of success in the UK and beyond. Billy's managers made it clear that this relationship could never become public. And that was fine for a while because in their early days, they both had such hectic schedules that they were basically phone friends. It's not like they had the opportunity even to spend much time together, except by phone. But when she was 16, Rich bought a flat in London. Uh-oh. 
And typically for the last year plus, Billy had been living in a hotel in London with, you know, like managers and publicists and such all around. But she is like, hey, house. Play house. Yeah. And moves in with him. Her family was not thrilled by this. But I mean, at this point, like things had just gone completely off the rails. Like she was no longer their kid in the way she had been when she was 14. She was a commodity. Well, who had room for Billy in the house after all those other kids came along? There's only so many rooms in Swindon. So this flat, memorably on Shoot Up Hill. No, that's the name of it? Shoot Up Hill? That's the name of the neighborhood, apparently. Perfect. This was exactly what you would expect for a couple of, like, precociously famous teenagers who didn't know anything and could not even be there that often because of their schedules. They slept on a mattress on the floor. It took them months to bother buying a couch. They ate delivery food because neither of them knew how to cook or really had the energy to do it anyway. And basically, they just ignored the increasing rumors in the press about their secret relationship. We're just hanging out in a flat with no couch. Or I mean, a Chinese delivery takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Billy also developed anorexia around this time. She obviously was trying desperately to be the perfect pop star Mm. commodity when she was being routinely photographed for the tabloids and appearing on stage every night and on television. And Rich opened her eyes a bit about how the music industry works. She had already understood that that million pound contract she'd signed at 15 did not result in a million pounds landing in her or her parents' bank account. But she didn't understand the system whereby the studio charges the artist for the whole shebang, making the record, promoting the record. Even much of her live performance schedule was unpaid because it was promotional. Sure, it's a terrible, terrible system. Super exploitative. Uh, Realizing that whatever level of fame she had obtained, she was still deeply in hock to her record label, was not the sort of thing that endeared her to the industry that she had almost accidentally found herself in. And over time, her health was being destroyed by her anorexia, leading to a collapse at a pub one night and hospitalization for a serious recurring kidney infection. Her mom, trying to be helpful in the aftermath of this while she was laid up, went over to the flat that she and Rich shared to clean up. Oh, God, mom. Discovered a large number of laxatives stashed everywhere. Billy tried to play it off, but by that point, the dynamics within her family were just so skewed that I think her parents felt like there was nothing meaningful they could do to like reach out and protect her. And she felt that if they knew what I've her been life, on my own this long anyway, well, and if they knew what her life really looked like, that they would be disappointed. Like it just right. Like all there's of the, a lot there. She also developed a fondness for sleeping pills around this time In part because if she could force herself to be asleep for two or three days... She won't want to eat. ...before an engagement, she could not eat. So just real healthy stuff playing out in this poor teenager's life. When she would pop up in the tabloids, which was a lot, her dad's friends and colleagues would have a laugh at him about her latest alleged antics, which obviously were heavily exaggerated for effect... And she was burning so many candles at so many inns and was simultaneously so young that her life was becoming untenable. Her second album didn't sell as well as the first had. The press was constantly accusing her of drug use at this point. And when Rich's managers finally acknowledged that he and Billy were a couple, 
She started getting hate mail and even death threats no. from the public. How dare you date the, my cute boy icon, right? Uh. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how Billy and her family were targeted with threats and how she finally escaped a fate that she had only sort of chosen for herself. I do love a good escape. See on the flip. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island, from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What happens to this poor child? She's 18. She's got death threats on her now? Actually, 17. When, <sighs> all right, so there was one member of the public in particular who turned out to be a 32-year-old woman from East London who spent a couple of weeks bombarding Billy's record label with telephone threats overnight. So staff would come in every day for a while in the summer of 2000 to hear some seriously deranged violent threats against their little pop princess. From a grown woman to a teenager? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, not just against Billy, even. This woman also threatened to harm Billy's parents and her younger brother, who oh, was then like 10 years old. God. This woman was arrested. I mean, the police, I don't think, had to work that hard to track her down. And Billy and her family had to testify to how terrifying the ordeal had been. I mean, at one point, this woman had threatened to shoot Billy at her next performance. So Billy's poor mom is out in the crowd at the show, like, scanning for any signs of a gun. Wouldn't you was... be as a parent? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Amidst this backdrop, Billy met the man who would become her first husband, Chris Evans. Isn't he a superhero? Not, not that Chris Evans. Different Chris Evans? Not Captain America. <laughs> So although confused. although now that I think about it, it would be kind of funny if an actress so closely associated with one of the UK's premier pop culture institutions, Doctor Who, had been married to the actor who played Captain America. That would be a little awesome. But no, this Chris Evans is a well-known UK radio and television guy who I gather is sort of a high-energy, over-the-top style of presenter. He's been a mainstay of radio and TV over there at least since the late 80s. I think Howard Stern is probably the best analog for the U.S. Okay. Although notably, Howard Stern has been apparently happily married for many decades. How much older is not Captain America Chris Evans older than Billy? About twice her age. Oh, okay. Because if he's been a mainstay since the 80s, she's... 17. Mm -hmm. Yikes. So uh, when I asked our friend Cindy in London about him, she had a very big reaction. So I think he 
is similarly polarizing to Howard Stern in the U.S. Like, people have strong feelings, is what I'm saying. For some flavor of Chris Evans's background, I'm just going to copy this straight out of his Wikipedia page, because it's quite a thing. Evans has a daughter, born 1986, by former fiancé Allison Ward. Evans married Carol McGiffin in 1991. Their 1993 breakup was not amicable, and McGiffin has since been scathing about Evans in newspaper articles in the years since the two divorced in 1998. During his time at BBC Radio 1 and Virgin, Evans had well-publicized relationships with Kim Wilde, pop singer, model Rachel Tatton Brown, whose sister was a researcher on his show The Big Breakfast, assistant producer Susie Alpin, Anthea Turner, a television presenter, Jerry Hallowell, Ginger Spice, and Melanie Sykes, another television and radio presenter. Put it in your pants, Chris <laughs> Evans. Does, he does, he's, that's not how he rolls. Captain Nut, underpants. Wow. Okay. So Chris Evans had interviewed Billy twice, and both times, <laughs> like from her telling, they had incredible, super easy chemistry. And again, she, in this moment of her life, was absolutely overwhelmed by everything and so like these moments really stood out because it just didn't she never felt pressured when when she was being interviewed by him it was these were unique moments for her she made sure to give him her number the second time around oh lord and although he was in his mid-30s thank you for asking and she was just 17 18 he called her a few days later i guess i guess she was 18 here He called her a few days later and asked if she wanted to meet him at a pub. She brought a friend and he brought a friend and a grand time was had by all. And then she writes, again from her book Growing Pains, Next morning I woke up at about 10 and had already missed four calls from him. He had left a message saying, Why are you not up, you lazy cow? It's a beautiful day. You have to see it. Wake up and call me because I need your address. I... (sighs) She continues, so I, I mean, did. there's a fine line between you hope they call in love bombing. <laughs> oh, right? Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, no. She continues, so I did. An hour later, he arrived at my door with an envelope. He didn't kiss me. He just smiled and handed over the envelope. I was still in my sweatpants and had black mascara all over my face and looked like shit, but I didn't care. I knew he didn't. I hadn't brushed my teeth and was wafting around in my own personal cloud of vodka fumes. It was all rather sexy. Turned out he hadn't done his radio show that morning. It was the first one he'd ever missed, but not the last. Chris left after telling me to open the envelope, so I did. What was inside blew my mind. There were some car keys and a note. The note said, I know you don't care about any of this, nor do I, but I had to stop you in your tracks. If you don't want it, sell it and give it to charity. I think you're wonderful. Will you marry me? I'm sorry, what? They've had one date. One date. One date. The Keys unlocked a Ferrari, which was parked outside of her flat, and was covered inside and out in roses. Chris and his buddy were across the street on motorcycles. So she and her friend come out. She gets into the Ferrari. She beckons Chris over, and they have their first kiss. Uh, What? 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 Listeners cannot see my face right now. So they've gone to the pub. Mm-hmm. Hung out, mm-hmm. had some vodka. Apparently, didn't kiss. Nope. The next morning, 
Four phone calls of Ferrari covered in roses. Will you marry me? And then the first kiss? Did I mention that he's a bit of an over-the-top style? Good Lord, I'd love to see his natal chart. This was in December of 2000, and that court case against the phone threatener was scheduled for February. If you thought she was not under enough pressure to start with, Billy was completely burned out on being a pop star. Her relationship with Rich by then had reverted to an on-again, off-again slog that I don't... Neither of them was happy. Well, she's getting Ferraris and roses and proposals from other boys. Yes. Sorry, um, men. She... She and Rich broke up at this point for good. Her breaking point kind of with all of this came on Christmas Day when, you know, like all of her relatives descend on her parents' home and they all brought CDs hoping that she would sign them. What? Yeah. It just, yeah. She called Chris. He said, come over. She called her driver. She, in her book, she's so apologetic about making the driver come out on Christmas Day to take her any like she she gets how like uncool all of this was she um could not drive this will come up in the story so get her a ferrari this makes a lot of sense she gave it to her father apparently. oh okay but also like she and her because she called her management team and like they all came over to look at the ferrari <laughs> and none of them could figure out how to get it started and they ended up calling the dealership oh my god and like you know, one of one of her employees is like, I'm sitting in a Ferrari and I don't know how to make it vroom vroom. And the guy's like, that's so funny. I just sold one to Chris Evans this morning. I actually did this because my car is so old when I had to get a rental car when it got stolen because I'm used to inserting a key right. into an actual lock. The push to start. I had to go get the people at the rental car place and say, what? How do I start this car? That's a really uncomfortable feeling. (laughs) Anyway, so her driver takes her to Chris's place. They flew on to a holiday in Fun in the Sun. And she wrote, quote, just like that, Billy, the pop princess, disappeared. I'd finally kissed my prince. And in our own special version of the old fairy tale, he let me turn back into a frog. I'm not even sure what to say about this. They're going to get divorced. It's not going to go great. Well, it goes great for a while. All right. So they married at the Little Church of the West near Las Vegas in May of 2001. They'd been dating for six months. She was 18. He was 35. And while they took the time to invite a handful of friends to the ceremony and fly them over for it, Billy did not tell her parents. They learned from the tabloids a lot. no. A lot of this book, Growing Pains is about how bad she feels for her behavior toward her parents during her pop star period. <laughs> That's quite a way to find out. Yeah, still, she was not sure that they would be supportive and she didn't want to take the risk of... I think she just didn't want to deal with that that day. <laughs> her parents were, of course, very... Not today, Tuesday. <laughs> her parents were, of course, very, very hurt to learn about this from the tabloid reporters who assembled on their lawn the next day. That's quite a wake up with your coffee. Yikes. Billy and Chris would return to the UK, and after a big and extremely expensive professional rupture in his career with the Virgin Radio Network, set up shop in rural Surrey, where Chris owned a parcel of land with a big manor house kind of thing that was being renovated and modernized 
Surrey's quite lovely. Still close enough to London, but still a little bit in the countryside. Yeah, there were also several cottages on the property, one of which they moved into, like, in theory, waiting for the renovation, but she actually super loved the cottage. I mean, that's the dream. I want to be in an English cottage in Surrey or I, Swindon. I, think, I don't care. Give yeah, me an English cottage. I feel like this house had a, this cottage had a main hall, so it's probably not quite what an American thinks of when they think cottage. But anyway, at the same time, kind of like poor Billy, she was an 18-year-old newlywed who could not drive. And again, the Ferrari had gone to her dad. She didn't know how to cook. And she had spent much of the last few years living in hotels and traveling with people who were paid to be there, her managers, her promoters, her dancers, you know, like her publicist. Chris fully encouraged her to back up a little, retrace some of the steps that she had missed during her pop princess years. Okay, well, that's good. And rediscover herself. Sure. She was happy to exit the celebrity lifestyle. She did get a driver's license. She trawled antique shops to decorate their cottage And she learned how to bake. They socialized at the town's one pub. (laughs) And for a couple of years, her circle of confidants was Chris and the lady who ran the kitchen in the pub. Billy would even work there sometimes when she was short-staffed. And like a colorful collection of mostly older locals who farmed nearby or sold goods in town and... Like, just the rural community, like, small-town gossip mill. You are living, you are talking about my dream. I mean, there are only mysteries to be solved in the village. Count me in. No mysteries that I'm aware of, but the the pace (laughs) of her... That's what you think. (laughs) The pace of her life slowed down. She was growing vegetables and reading books that she had never had time to read or an interest in reading, even. But the pair also loved to travel, packing light and picking up whatever they needed when they arrived wherever they were going. They did develop a reputation as lovers of the drink, but she says that while they did and do enjoy drinking, the tabloids really misrepresented the situation pretty substantially. They did once hop a plane to Athens when they meant to go to Rome, though. Oh, well, you know, hmm. they're so close. She said there may have been some Chablis involved. Easy mistake. I think to get further away from the bad feelings from Chris's departure from British radio, the pair decided to head west, young man, and bought a place in L.A. Lionel Richie's old house, in fact. No. Mm -hmm. They had a bidding war with Courtney Cox uh, and Brad Pitt and came out on top. Though they were unemployed, they were comfortable on money. And Billy, having healed up a good bit from her pop star turn, apparently... Chris is just constitutionally anti-drug, like he's apparently just a super positive guy who just never saw the need. And so she, like, the sleeping pills stopped and, you know, they loved dining together. And so the, like, the tendency to anorexia eased and he thought she was sexy even if she wasn't real thin. And like, it was, it was a really good, healthy period here. So having healed up a good bit from her pop star turn... And with the anonymity of America as well, that helped a lot that no one had any idea who she was, she decided to revisit her roots and started taking acting classes in Hollywood. Honeycomb certainly needs me in a commercial. It's a breakfast cereal emergency! Okay. Her career trajectory in acting was not fast, and after they returned to England, probably in 03, 
She also had to deal with the fact that casting directors in London did know who she was and often had ideas about her both as pop princess and the, I'm making air quotes with my fingers here, the drunken wife of that madman Chris Evans, right? But she persisted. She landed a few small parts in films in 2004 and then a starring role in a horror film. Chris was extremely supportive of her endeavors, but first with the horror movie, which filmed in Eastern Europe, and then with Doctor Who. And the production team at Doctor Who was not sure about... They liked her a lot, but all of those stories about her, like, drunken blah blahs, like, it took him a beat to decide to hire her. So she's got a bunch of existing bad press, but she has taken some time to get herself worked out. I know what I like. I know my preferences. Finding myself in this life. Absolutely. So with Doctor Who, this required her to live in Cardiff, Wales for nine months. What they discovered is that distance did not work for them as a couple. Oh, When they were together, they were all the way together and they were totally in sync. But when they were apart for any period of time, things rapidly fell apart. So Billy Piper and Chris Evans were split up before Doctor Who even premiered on television. They didn't divorce until 2007. They remained truly great friends. I mean, she attended his next wedding. She said Chris is her soulmate without being lovers and... Billy's second husband, who we will get to in a minute, complained after their divorce that he had a really hard time with the fact that Chris was still a person in her life. So no animosity Mm -mm. with Captain No Pants, with not Captain America. I think it goes beyond that. I, I think she's actually really grateful. I think he provided a space for her to heal, find herself again. Yeah, that's okay. Love that. Okay, so let's take a quick break here so that we can get to Billy's second husband, the actor Lawrence Fox, who seems to have really taken the end of their marriage badly and has turned into quite the numpty in recent years. Oh, you gotta love a numpty. Back in a minute. You really did get riled up. Cindy M. got you on this numpty thing. Oh, sure, yes. Numpty, meaning a stupid and ineffective person. Nitwit. Lawrence Fox, born May 26, 1978, in Leeds, comes from a long line of theater people. His father is the actor James Fox, who you would absolutely recognize if you saw him. His grandfather was a talent agent, his grandmother an actress, and her father was playwright Frederick Lonsdale. Lawrence's uncles are actors, his cousins are actors, his siblings are producers and actors, and he was not initially interested in the business. A few years doing odd jobs in early adulthood made him reevaluate, and he succeeded in auditioning for the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, RADA, where a number of TD alums already covered also got their start in the biz. Lawrence had a number of smallish television and film roles for a few years, like you do, before he was finally cast in ITV's Lewis, a detective drama where he portrayed the partner of the titular detective in 2006. 06 also is the same year that he met Billy when they both performed in the Christopher Hampton play Treats. And it might be worth noting that Lawrence was arrested in 2007 for punching a photographer outside of the theater where Treats was being staged. So good beginnings. He and Billy were married on New Year's Eve that year. Oh. And would go on to have two sons, but apparently the marriage was turbulent from early on and both have talked about 
The exceptional and frequent arguments that they would have, the classic rows of England, they tried marriage counseling, but ultimately determined that the marriage probably wasn't worth saving and decided to divorce in 2016. Well, that's 10 years. They tried. Yeah. I mean, almost. Eight eight, eight years, yeah. Uh, There has been some asymmetry in the ex-couple's public musings about the breakup. Lawrence says that he couldn't sleep for months and considered self-harm. Billy, I mean, Billy is raising their children, plus another with her next boyfriend, and has herself a bit of a career going on, so you kind of have to squint a bit to perhaps find her feelings about things. Sophie Haywood of The Guardian talked to her in 2021 about a film called Rare Beasts and includes this bit. Now Billy Piper has written and directed a film in which she also stars, Rare Beasts. It is brilliant and distinctive in its own right about a strung-out, ambitious mother who has successfully navigated the class system, likes getting high, has terrible taste in men, and is building toward a crisis. Given that Piper spent 2007 to 2016 married to Lawrence Fox, the anti-lockdown actor who has been mouthing off about wokeness and feminists ever since she left him, it is not hard to see the parallels. The piece continues, Fox has talked publicly about his heartbreak at the end of their marriage, but Piper prefers never to discuss it in public, presumably keenly aware that they still co-parent their two sons. But I think it is fair to say that they are not close, and she seems wary when I ask if people will assume the skinny, fair-haired, obnoxious male lead and rare beasts is modeled on her ex. Is it a Ramona Clay? Who knows? Yeah, right. Here's Billy. No, I really don't think so. (laughs) If you're writing things or you're creating things as a woman, it's always suggested that it's autobiographical. You know, you can understand how people go, look, that's a similarity. She shares that thing with the character. But it's also quite exhausting because it feels like everything you ever do, people are going to go, okay, that's about you. That's about your life. And it's not. The piece continues, she does, however, explain that she likes connecting to parts where she has, quote, some sort of personal axe to grind. Wow. I love that. Can you imagine the club where Taylor Swift and Billy Piper. And Sophie Turner. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lana Del Rey. Mm. Billy Eilish. Like, everybody just sits around and they're, we're not writing about ourselves, club. Sure, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lawrence, for his part, took a hard, hard right turn in the aftermath of all of this and has become one of Britain's premier culture warriors, apparently, for all the good it's done him. He admitted in 2019 that he had been, quote, totally radicalized, unquote, by YouTube, my dude, and is now super jumpy about stuff he thinks is political correctness or woke. So he's essentially set his career on fire by, like, criticizing a grocery store chain for having diversity policies like what a hill to die on oh my god these people larry fox so as noted in the piece he took part in anti-covid lockdown protests and he told good morning britain when discussing hospitals straining under the flood of covid patients quote if the nhs can't cope then the nhs isn't fit for purpose oh my god He's gotten into various spats over racial topics, of course, including calling the inclusion of a Sikh soldier character, S-I-K-H, the religious minority. In the World War I movie, 1917, he referred to this as, quote, forced diversity. And when informed that, in fact, Sikh soldiers did fight on the Western Front as the film depicted, 
He apologized, but he also said, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, but I think it gets to the heart of what he was saying. He thinks it's very important that numpties be able to show the world their numpties and all their numpty glory. That is my take on this. He's like, I often say unfortunate things, as you know, but it's real important (laughs) to be able to say unfortunate. No, dude, you're a numpty. Wow. (laughs) You will be surprised to learn that Lawrence Fox has been sued for libel and lost after he called a couple of gay rights advocates pedophiles on Twitter. Nice Mm. guy. And he is suing a fellow Twitter user for libel. After that guy called him a racist. You really shake your head and wonder how those kids didn't work out. (laughs) He was also arrested last fall for apparently conspiring with others to damage traffic cameras in London. (laughs) I will not pretend to understand the details there, but he must just be a joy to co-parent with. So very sorry on that, Billy. But Billy isn't done. She started dating a musician named Johnny Lloyd, frontman of the indie rock group Tribes in 2016. They had a daughter together in 2019, and he's supplied some music for some of her TV and film projects. Very weirdly, for the timing of this story, it just broke on Sunday last week that the pair split up sometime last year, but they're apparently working really hard on co-parenting their daughter together. And like the classic sources close to the couple kind of framing friends or whatever people familiar with the situation noted that the COVID lockdowns, which were much, much more restrictive and significant in the UK than they were here in the US, were very hard on them and and on millions and millions of others, obviously. Billy Piper's career, her second career, her proper career, the career that she actually chose acting has blossomed since she did the hard thing of shifting gears and following her heart. She's had long TV runs in Secret Diary of a Call Girl and Penny Dreadful and was in 2022's Catherine Called Birdie with Bella Ramsey and, I am so sorry, Alicia Joe Alwyn and will appear in April in the Netflix drama Scoop alongside Gillian Anderson, Rufus Sewell, and Keeley Hawes. This is a retelling of the kind of behind the scenes of that notorious 2019 BBC interview with Prince Andrew that really ended him as oh, interesting. a person of credibility okay. in the public mind. Only halos here, no trash cans whatsoever. Billy Piper is amazing and has an amazing story about the places we find ourselves and the choices that we still can make. I loved that story. That was great. Excellent. No trash cans. Are we giving trash cans to... We could give trash eh. cans to a lot of people in this story, but we're, we're going to give halos to Billy Piper. I'll take halos for Billy Piper. That was a lot to know. <laughs> Again, not my favorite companion, but I like her a whole lot more now. Oh, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed putting the story together. Her book is great. I don't often get engrossed when reading subjects memoirs, but her book is great. Well done. Thanks. Trash Bandits, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for your kind reviews, your emails, and telling your friends about our little program here. If you want a little extra trash candy between episodes, you can always check us out at patreon.com slash trashy divorces, or you can check out our other podcasts, Toss to Alicia. Totally for free. If you're looking for a little bit of listening Mondays or Thursdays, goodness, Trashy Royals is your Thursday jam. We are beginning Lady Edwina Mountbatten's Mm. illicit affairs this week and that continuing story. 
If you are enchanted by Capote versus the Swans, done and done on Mondays, as well as this week with some surprise bonuses. I'm taking you through Alicia's version of Feuds feud. on the FX Network. Yeah. It's so spiderwebby. It's so good. Always something happening here around Trashy Divorces Headquarters. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I'm going to be back this weekend with a whoo, fantastic story for you. Until then. Friends, I hope that you will keep your hands clean. And keep your hearts trashy. Big love, everybody. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there. And thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.